With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we are recording. So today is February 2nd, 2015, and we are having AC training session 10 of 10. So again, great questions that came up during the week. Awesome. So what questions might you have this morning so we can look at those? Um, well, there's one dog trainer from Ithaca who I did a session with, like, a while back, and she wants me to, um, they have, like, this monthly group the last Tuesday of every month with um, a bunch of other dog trainers, or, you know, and she wanted me to come speak at it, so okay. I'm kind of wondering if you have any tips on that or suggestions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've done many speaking engagements before, um, yes, for small groups as well as for libraries and and horse people and yes so um tips you know just like you were giving a speech at school okay just you know maybe jot down some notes for yourself i tend to be a big note taker i'll write them all out and then i'll never look at them (laughs) when i actually get there um but you might want to kind of jot down some notes to yourself in advance so you can cover key areas you want to talk about think about what people are most interested in they really want to know well okay so you can talk to animals how is that possible so you're going to need to describe that based on the knowledge you have right now and it's totally okay at any point to say you know i don't know all the ins and outs of it but here's how i'm experiencing and here's what it seems to or seems to be how it works for me anyway that way you're speaking from your truth and from your authenticity um So people want to know about that. They want to know how you can connect possibly over a distance when you work by phone. People seem baffled. They think that you have to do it in person. So that might be something nice to talk about in person versus, you know, since it's all energy-based anyway, that's why it can occur over a distance. Um, You'll need to explain to them how how you can tune into the animal and the way you do it may be slightly different than the way I do it. I've taught you my method, but you still may be using your own. So describe it, you know, in whatever terms is true for you. Um, I like to tell them animal communicators are the same as pet psychics, are the same as animal intuitives. You know, people have different words for them, but we're all generally talking about the same thing. So you're basically talking about the topic. And you can then share, if you want, some stories or cases, if you will, of animals you've spoken with and how, you know, the owners offered you feedback and confirmation. People enjoy short stories. It gives them also an overview of the topics that can be covered with a pet. And then if you wanted, you could put, and this is totally up to you, I've, I've done talks where I only talk about the work and they can, I give them my business cards at the end, usually with a little incentive, like, you know, um, $10 off your next session if you book within the next five days. You really want to give people a short period of time or else they forget about you. <laughs> so, um, but you could do that as well. That way you're giving them something with your name on it before they leave. Or if you feel comfortable doing an in-person on-the-spot session, they could all put their name in a fishbowl piece of paper. You can have your host ideally take care of that. And then you can pull a name from the hat, basically, and do an in-person session. But you would need to tell people in advance, have the host of, you know, whoever's hosting this event or group, um, make sure they're telling all the people to bring a photograph of their animal that they want spoken with. And it must be their animal, not their neighbor's dog or their cousin's dog or, you know, ex-spouse's dog. 
But yeah, you can handle it anyway. I've done talks as short as half an hour and as long as two hours. So it really comes down to whatever you want to cover. Okay. Because, yeah, they said, like, it'd be cool um, if I did some sort of PowerPoint or, you know, if maybe they could get one of the people there to give me their pet information and I could do something long distance and talk about it with them during the presentation. Yes, that's another nice way of doing it. That way you're not feeling rushed. Excellent. Right. Um, I have done PowerPoint. Um, I teach a, a, a um, animal communication introduction class that's two and a half hours long at the, one of the local colleges here every other month or so, and I use PowerPoint, and it's very nice. It, for me, is a guideline, and I'll usually put, you know, like a single sentence or a keyword at the top that prompts me to remind me why I had that slide up and what I wanted to talk about, so they get the visual as well as, you know, the, the content that goes along with it. But yeah. Yeah, there's many different ways of doing it, and I find them fun, Vivian. I really find them fun. I tell people, please ask questions along the way. Don't feel like you got to save them at the end, because I find that really helps me gauge what the interest of the group is interested in knowing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Oh, what would key points be to mention, do you think? Um, talk ha- about. Yeah, I would definitely talk about how it works. Um, maybe even, again, cases or examples, uh, how it works for you personally, how you receive, in other words, the information. Are you getting it visually? You're hearing words. Are you, you know, kinesthetic, feeling it in your body, intuitive smells, intuitive tastes? You know, however it comes through for you, people love to know about that. They also want to know, generally, how you came to this work in the first place. How did you start doing this? And, I mean, you came to me pre-intuitive with your, your channels wide open, you know, before I even guided you in the training. So you could certainly, you know, share that. People are interested in that. People tend to know, too, as they sit there and watch you talk, they wonder the question in their minds, is this something anybody can learn? Is this something I can learn? So you might want to talk with them about that topic, too. So how would you explain that to that everyone has the ability to do it. Um, I use the word pre-wired. I let them know, you know, everybody's pre-wired for this. You know, God, goddess, whatever you believe in, divine, did not leave anybody on the planet out of the divine plan of being an energy being, of being energetic in nature. You know, science even knows that at the deepest level, our atoms are so far apart. We're really made up of energy and not the solid material we think. So because we're energetic beings, we can speak the universal energetic language, which is telepathy. Our human mind, or our humans as as children, let's put it that way, as children are raised and they become adults like ourselves, we tend to be conditioned out of our natural intuitive abilities that are there already. And what happens is they, they kind of become dormant. And when you step mm-hmm. into learning animal communication or any other type of intuitive modality, you know, mediumship, psychometry, whatever interests the person, um, it's just like a, a doorway, a door that gets opened, inviting that dormancy to activate. And then from there, it's practice in order to work your intuitive muscle. Intuition is a muscle. It's just like speech. Speech is a muscle. You practice enough speech, you're going to get good at, at out loud communication. You only do a little bit of it, you're only going to get a little bit of, you know, um, <laughs> goodness out of it, I guess. Uh, you're not going to be a great communicator. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Using, um, using the skills makes it stronger. You, when you do in person stuff or you talk with an animal, you know, in person, do you 
close your eyes to it? Do you, does it just come fast? Do you talk out loud? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so let me tell you how I do it at CFU. So I'll, I'll teach that two and a half hour class, and about half an hour before the end, I tell all the people who came, bring out one photograph of an animal that you brought, and here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you a five to seven, depending on the group size, generally seven if it's a small group, five minutes per person if it's a large group. I'm going to give you five to seven minutes of communication time. Now, we're going to be really focused here, so that means as soon as I get your photo, I want you to tell me the pet's name, age, breed, gender, how long owned, and who else lives in the house besides yourself, if anybody, and any other pets. And beyond that, I'm going to then close my eyes, and I sit in front of the group, and there's a semicircle of people seated in chairs all around me, and I'm in front of them, so they watch everything. I, cl I then tell them I'm going to close my eyes, tune into your animal, probably take a, a second or two, maybe a little less, and then I'm going to open my eyes and ask you what question do you want to ask your pet. So I let them know it's basically all question-based because honestly, in a small time frame, they're going to get a lot more out of it if they you know, have the satisfaction of getting an answer of something that they've been thinking about for a while and wondering about. Now there are times the animals boom right through and, and instantly have information for their person and depending on depending on how it feels in that moment. Sometimes I'll go right in with the animal and relay a few sentences worth of information, but I really keep it focused on the person asking questions. When my timer goes off, and I do work by timer in front of everybody, um, adults are sometimes like little kids. They, they don't like it when one person gets six minutes instead of everybody else getting five minutes. <laughs> so I keep an audible yeah. timer going um, so that it's fair. Um, and then I thank them at the end, say, okay, you know, timer went off. We are set. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you want to share as a result of hearing your session? I will ask them to Vivian for um, confirmation and feedback in brief during that five-minute period that I'm working with them too, just like I would a regular session. But that way, everybody else observing in the circle gets to see what it's like and that person has their own personal experience. And then I go to the next person. And it's very boom, boom, quick. But I, I will start with my eyes closed, generally opening them. If I find there's a distraction in the room, um, I will just close my eyes, and that just keeps me in focus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Anything else? Hmm. Um, have you ever been around animals or just in a setting where there's animals where you know you're at a friend's house and their animal starts reaching out to you somehow um I, you I was, know. okay I go ahead i talked to this um one woman first uh, a little while ago and i've known her for a while cause she worked with high school that i went to so i actually met up with her yesterday and she brought me to meet her horse into the barn just to like meet the horse and watch her ride and stuff like that and the horse was like trying to say stuff to me and like um when I talked to in a session it had a problem like I could feel the problem in its uh, left leg and I started to feel that when I was there because okay. I'm really good at picking up sensing energy and stuff like that okay so has that happened to you before yeah it has yeah it has but it sounds like she was interested and wanted to know what her horse had to say so yeah that's an easy During situation. Session, yes, but yesterday when we were meeting, it was more just like, let's just meet and, you know, you can just meet, you know, it wasn't like a session, like she wasn't having me ask the horse questions or anything. 
I see, I see. Okay, okay. Yes, I have had that. And again, it depends on the person. If the person is, you know, I mean, typically has me there to do a communication session, then if, you know, they're riding their horse first and showing me that and I start gathering information, I'll jot it down in my notebook or, you know, just make a mental note to myself. And then when we, you know, she's got, giving me her full attention, I always like owner's full attention. Sometimes I get distracted when the animals are present there, so I always like to make sure they're really listening to me so they can really hear their pet, and then I'll go ahead and relay that. Um, you know, there's times I'll be over at one of my friend's house, and I'll be like, you know, uh, her name's Vibika. I'm like, Vibika, your cat's telling me this. <laughs> she's like, okay, but that's because she and I are friends, and she's hired me in the past to do communication, and so I, I'll, I mean, she's totally wide open to me sharing anything her cat is saying to me, even though I'm there to visit her and not to do a session. I mean, we're just friends anyway. Mm-hmm. It depends. It depends on who's there, why that, why you're there. You know, um, if you really felt a major issue with an animal and the owner's frustrated, the owner's asking, you know, what's going on with my horse? I can't seem to figure out why. What you could say to them is, you know, I don't know if you believe in animal communication, but I do dabble in this work, you know, and if you'd like... I can go ahead or we can, you know, if you'd like, you can hire me for a session, we can do a session, or I can, you know, I, I can offer you, you know, whatever I sense from your pet, even though you've already gathered information, you've heard it already, just kind of feel the owner out, and if the owner's receptive, you could give her, you know, a minute's worth of information, and then at the end of that, so that you, you know, especially if it's a non-paying client, you could then say, you know, it's all the information I'm getting right now, I feel like there's probably more information, and so here's my business card, if at the, in the future it feels like you want more information on this, we certainly can explore this issue more, but... I did want to give you a little bit of what was coming through since you were you were open to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel people out. All right. Anything okay. else? Um. I guess my last question goes back to when we were talking about fearful or shy or like scared or aggressive animals. If you were, you know, out in the street or something and were approached by some sort of, like, an aggressive or just scared or frightened animal, what would you say to them? Would you say anything to them or, like, in that moment? Um, okay, cool. Great question. Here's what I found, and I'll give you the example of, I have tons of wild rabbits around my condo complex where I live. There's, like, 60 buildings here, tons of grass and lots of wild rabbits. And it's interesting. I find that when I walk with a silent mind and don't purposely say anything with my thoughts towards them, they'll go into freeze alert mode and they'll be amazingly close and yet they'll tend to let me walk by them. The moment that I say, hi, hello, or how are you, or, you know, say something in my mind only, they dash away. So my sense is they're responding they're really aware, they're paying attention to my thoughts to, to know am I a predator, am I dangerous or not. So what you could do is just be. Be yourself, be neutral, or if, if you want to send an emotion, offer love. Love is something that all beings recognize and is non-threatening. So, yeah, that's what I've observed with the wild rabbits, and it's been very interesting. That's a fearful one. An aggressive animal... Uh, okay, so um, I'll give you this example. Not my example, but I read a communication um, uh, blog, and I don't remember who it was, with a communicator who had, was in some situation where, uh, what happened? Oh, her dog got off, her puppy got off its leash. They were running in a field. They were having fun, and it came across um, a poisonous snake. 
and the puppy was acting all, oh, I want to play with you, want to play with you, you know, nose button it, and the snake was freaking out. And the communicator came up and communicated to the snake, I'm really sorry to disturb you. This is just a puppy. He doesn't know any better. I'm going to gently reach in and pull him away, and we will be on our way. We both mean you no harm. So in that case, she did successfully pull the puppy away, and it worked out. So, there's a couple different ways of handling it. You know, follow the flow of the moment. There's always an energetic flow. You can see energy, so perhaps you can sense the flow. The flow is what I define as like um, divine essence. It's the bigger picture of what's going on behind our personalities, behind every being. It's it's the divine flow, the divine source, energy. Um, And it moves through us and often guides us on desirable courses of action for us in any given moment. You know, if you've ever had some, you've said something that popped out of your mouth and you were like, wow, that was really wise that I just said that, but that didn't really come from me. (laughs) That's an example of the spontaneousness of the divine flow operating through you, acting through you. You, of course, allowed it, but the divine flow can guide you in any moment. Just tune into the flow. What's it feel like you ought to do or say or not do? Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, any other questions? I know you mentioned um, you were working on a website or had a website up, or I know you were talking about the domain name. Are you all squared away with that now? Yeah, I have my website up. Um, I did use yours and a bunch of others, like you said, just see how they did stuff and use it kind of as like a guide. And yes. So that helped a lot. Um, but yeah. A DBA is pretty much just like claiming your name and stuff like that so people can't see you if they mm-hmm. had the same name and found out you had it but it wasn't registered as, you know. Okay, so what did you end up what did you end up picking? Uh, the deeper connections with animals. All right. Do you mind if I browse it at some point and just give you any other suggestions that come to mind? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, the deeper connection with animals.com. Okay. Well, it's dot weebly.com because oh, okay. I use a free website, so I use Weebly. Okay, okay, awesome. All right, yes, I will check that out and offer any suggestions. Cool. Yeah, I have a home page, a contact page, a sessions page, and the about me page. Okay. And uh, I use your sessions page as kind of a guide because I like how you had like the tips on how to yeah, um, yeah. get a better, better session and... Yep. I like how you put that you don't like to be tested because I really don't want to have to come across people or attract people who just want to test me, you know? Right. Yep. So, yes, that was awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Good, good, good. All Um, right. I did think of one more question, actually. Okay. Uh, About lost pets, I was just wondering why it is you don't um, really do it that much or... Okay, sure. So me, everybody, every communicator is going to have a different answer. Some won't touch the subject because it's hard. It's tough work. Um, it's not easy, Vivian. Um, I just did, okay, so the rescue group that I do fostering for, they just placed a foster dog, not one of my own, into a new home 24 hours ago. And I don't know how the dog got away, but it escaped from the people. So it's like, okay, I really don't advertise on my website that I do lost animals. And yeah, I met this little dog at one of the PetSmart events, and she's a sweetheart. So it was like, okay, um, is it appropriate universe for me to do this lost animal case for the rescue? And I got, yeah. So I did. I went ahead and just 
privately emailed them and I said, please keep this anonymous. You can share the information I get with the owner um, or the foster to adopt people who lost the dog, but um, so they can, you know, make benefit of it. But I, I really didn't, I, I just am not interested in really attracting lost animal cases at this time. One, per my personal, it's just not fun for me, generally. It's not fun for well, me because... Is it a hard process? Is it hard? It, it can be hard, yes. It can be hard because if you're working with people who are upset, they want you to hurry and give them tons of information quickly. And they're tens, they tend to be emotionally distraught, understandably. So you're dealing with their energy as well. Sometimes an animal, I mean, there's always a bigger picture of why beings become lost in the first place. And sometimes it has to do with what's going on in the lives of the people or something they're consciously or subconsciously, not even realizing it, thinking. So it's kind of like there's an awful lot more factors than just doing um, a straightforward animal communication. Everybody's relaxed in the home environment. I just find it's more satisfying for me to do regular sessions. Also with lost animal sessions, not only are you dealing with the people, but you can be dealing with an animal who's lost in um, the sense that they could be physically injured, they could be shocked, they could be hit by a car and kind of be in a coma. They, I mean, they can tell you information sometimes that's very direct and pinpointing, like, you know, there's a flag in front of the house where I'm, I'm looking across from. I have successfully recovered animals. Um, you know, Kat once told me she was down in a hole, had gravel underneath her feet, and it was too high to get up, and it was like all she could see as far as sunlight was directly above her. All the sides felt like metal around her. She was trapped, and, you know, she just she just couldn't get out. And I told the owner that, and she's like, oh my gosh, all the houses around here have, um, and it's a popular out west thing, they have these wells next to them where they have windows in the basement that are surrounded by these metal uh, I can only describe it like a metal can, half of a metal can shape, and it's got gravel at the bottom, and a lot of them are uncovered, which means an animal falls down them. And this is what happened to the cat. She immediately found her cat within less than 24 hours as a result of the information. And other times, it's like I've described areas, and people are like, yeah, yeah, I know exactly where that swing set is. And, and they go there, and they never find the animal. So it's hard work. It's not fun for me. There are some communicators, though, Vivian, that love the challenge of it all. So it really comes down to what do you like? What do you enjoy? And what's your niche? You know, there's so many different aspects. There's the relationship aspect, or there's behavior, or there's health issues that sometimes communicators will find. I'm really good at health issues, for example, and they tend to attract a lot of clients in that area, and they might even advertise on their website that my niche area is health issues. There's a communicator who only works with horses. She is so in tune with horses that she really, that's her fun, that's her joy, and so she doesn't really work with other animals. So it comes down to what you like. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I gave him information on this. What's that? I said, I feel like with that, doing that kind of stuff, people get really frustrated with you or something. They can. They can because they're wanting an, a certain outcome. This is a great example, Vivian, of people attached to an outcome. They want to find their pet. And this is also where the communicator has to be totally neutral and totally, and, and this is challenging for me, depending on the situation, where I, I know I've got to be totally neutral and have no invested outcome on whether the people find their pet, whether the pet dies, whether the pet is in body or not. I, I've got to, like, kind of... It's almost like not caring so that you can stay neutral. And what I mean by not caring is being compassionately detached from the outcome. Oh. 
And yeah, I mean, if you went to a communicator wanting to find your lost Sabina, for example, and it didn't pan out, you may, even though it had nothing to do with the communicator truly, you may kind of frown upon communication, think it doesn't work, or the information wasn't good enough, or frown on that communicator. So yeah, some of that comes in, in, into play too. I don't worry these days, I used to worry about that, I don't worry these days so much about pleasing the client in that scenario, because I know lost animal work is such a uh, you know, it's a, it's its own game. <laughs> it's its mm-hmm. own game. Um, but with that said, until I personally feel that it's fun for me, I'm going to stick to what creates joy for me. Cause ultimately this is the only life that I get to live in this body with the skill set that I have now as Danielle. I mean, the next time, sure, I might be a communicator in another lifetime, but with a different body, with a diff- slightly different skill, I'm going to be still unique in that lifetime. So I'm going to really honor myself and do what brings me joy and what serves me now in the hopes that it serves others too. And I'll allow other communicators who are much more well-versed in the lost pet work do that. And I do always do my best to redirect to somebody. If I can't serve them or I don't want to do, I don't want to work with them for one reason or another, and there are clients, just regular, ordinary clients, I have let go because something comes up and it's like, you know what, they're not listening to me or they can't get it from me. I, I don't serve them anymore. I will refer them out. I do my best not to leave a client hanging. I always give them another resource to go to that I tune into and feels like would be a good re- direction for them. Mm-hmm. Have you had people ever get upset with you just doing you know, your normal sessions or you know, anything with what you're doing now? Doing now? No. Um, over a year ago, uh, I had a client where, I think, stop me if I told you this, it might have been another student I told, um, where I went to their house, they had a, um, a hound dog, very sweet, sweet dog, and they were a very logical-based mind couple where one was an engineer, one was, I mean, just, they were very, very intelligent, very mental-minded people, and they... We had the session with their dog that was a half an hour long. Their questions were tricky. And, you know, they were just asking questions that were, they were looking for a particular answer. And when they didn't get it from their pet, they were like, hmm. They were offering very little feedback, even though I was prompting them for feedback. I should have tried harder at getting more feedback or, you know. But anyway, um, as a result of them, 48 hours later, the gentleman called me. He says, you know, everything you told me about my dog, yes, matches my dog, but... I guess I was expecting um, a whole lot more unique stuff about my dog that I could confirm. Like he says, when I asked you the question of where did, you know, I asked him, or he asked me, my dog, what does my dog think about the, um, about the front or the backyard, the backyard? And I was like, well, okay. So I asked the dog, and I'm like, the dog loves it. It's spacious enough. He's got freedom, you know, blah, 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 all the things the dog was telling me. And he told me afterwards, he says, oh, he didn't mention to you anything about we've got five other pet dogs buried there, huh? I mean, (laughs) it was to me, I'm thinking, okay, I know he knows nothing about how AC works, you know, but it was like, I don't know. He asked me the other question of why doesn't my dog, and you will sometimes get this, Vivian, so be prepared and, and listen for these questions so you can more finely tune. He asked me the question, why doesn't my dog like going downstairs? So the dog gave me the answer. It was basically about he's very people-oriented. He wants to be upstairs. The downstairs also has a different temperature to him. And it's not that he dislikes it, but he'd rather be with the people. And the owner's reply to me after was, oh, and he didn't tell you anything about the fact he pees down there. 
And I said to the owner, okay, so here's the thing with animal communication. If you give, um, if you ask a real specific question, you're going to get a specific answer. If you ask a very general question, you're going to get a very general answer. And that, Vivian, is what actually, as a result of that session with that, those, those owners and that purse or and that dog, I ended up creating the tips that you saw on my sessions page that sounds like you're borrowing from on how to get the most out of your animal communication session. Because it was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, I ended up refunding. It was. It was very frustrating for me, you know, and that's okay. I learned from it. Um, I tuned in afterwards. Uh, I did fully refund him his money, and, and he was like, no, no, you did do the work. I'm, I'm going to get, you know, so he, he insisted that I keep half of it, which, which was fine. Um, but I tuned in after and asked the universe, okay, truth, was I in service? I should have asked this before the session. Was I in service to that dog in doing the session? And I got yes. And I asked then, was the dog in service to me in doing the session? And I got yes. Were the people in service to me in doing the session? And I got yes. And of course, I learned from it. So sure, they were in service to me. And when I asked the question, was I in service to the people in doing the session? I got no. Because the people were in a headspace where they basically wanted to be convinced. They acted like they were really interested in hearing animal communication to see if it was real and all that. And I explained to them prior to, I don't, you know, go into the convincing people thing, but we can have the session and blah, blah, blah. So to answer your question, that's one. And the only one other one I can think of was when I first started out years back, similar situation. But so that really brings it down to two since I've started this in 06. But for me, both were hugely instrumental in how I continued to do this work afterwards. So, no, it wasn't a fun experience for me. I was very frustrated. It's like, ah, you people. <laughs> but yeah. I learned from it, and it made me a better communicator after. That's good. Yeah, it helped me be more clear with my boundaries so that the people who I really could serve could benefit even more because now I'm working in a slightly more clear way by telling them, hey, we need more. And, and Vivian, when I get really general questions where my sense is there's something else the owner really wants to ask, but they're not asking me what they really want to ask. They're asking me something like fluff, something different. I'll ask the owner, I'll even say to them, you know, my sense is that there's some question you really want to know, and it doesn't feel like this is the right question. So, Truth, is there really something you really, really want to know? Because your, your animal really wants to share the information with you, but I really need specific questions. And I, the communicator, need to understand the angle of the question you're asking from so that we can get you the specific answer you're looking for. Otherwise, we're kind of shooting in the dark here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Um, hmm. um, I do have one question, but I'll just save it for later if we end up having time. Okay. Okay, cool. It's not really important. I was just curious about the horse we talked to that didn't want to talk, and then you were going to tune in, keep talking with him afterwards. So I just wanted to know how that went and stuff. Oh, oh, oh. Well, let me just briefly tell you. It'll take a couple sentences. Um, He was receptive. I did talk to him more. He just was... um, I forget what I did exactly, Um, but I talked to him, and he and I ended up in a really nice, happy place, and he actually felt, as a result of talking to us, that he would give... Well, he would look at humans with a new set of fresh eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it was. And that's where I like to leave animals, in a positive place or at least the same, you know, neutral place where I found them. 
Yeah. All right. Are you ready to practice? Yes. All right. We're going to work with Lucy, uh, the little cockatiel bird. So here's the scenario. Uh, Lucy is one of my, she's living, is one of my client's birds. My client, um, I can't even think of her name right now. Anyway, her, my client lives in New York City and has probably about four or five little birds. Some are parakeets and three of them actually are cockatiels, Lucy being one of them. And the client came to me very upset saying, Lucy is screaming her head off, on and off, all day here in my apartment. I am housebound because, you know, I have major, major health issues. She's also got, the woman has a lot of victim energy. So in other words, she just keeps inside a lot versus getting out and, you know, she's an older woman. And she says, Lucy's driving me crazy. She's also destroying my apartment. She is using her beak and picking off you know, pieces of wood in the molding around the door. She's like pecking everything. And, and this really upsets me, stresses me out because I don't own the space. Um, and Lucy is also, what is she doing? Oh, she's paring apart my personal items. So this woman um, has jewelry, for example, and the bird will, you know, fly around. I mean, she doesn't keep her birds in cages. That's one of her personal things. She never uses cages. Um, so they have free roam in the apartment all time, 24-7, and she says she destroys my jewelry, she destroys my watches, she's pulling things apart, and she's never done this before, what's going on? So, okay. I'm going to have you tune into who Lucy was back when that scenario happened, that's about a year and a half ago, so don't tune into Lucy now, okay? Time is an interesting thing, doesn't really exist any other time, so if you make it your intention to tune into Lucy then, Lucy's a, a full-grown, mature, probably about four years old cockatiel, so go ahead okay. and connect with her. Let me know when you've got her. Yep. All right. Now, if you were alone and you didn't have me, where and the person told you all that, and they wanted, they basically said, I want you to make my bird stop. <laughs> and I want to know how can I help her stop. Where would you want to start? Um, What's your gut tell you? What's your first question? What's your gut tell you is your first question for this bird? Probably just to ask the most direct question as to why. Yeah, sure. Great. So go ahead. Excellent. Yes, she was. By golly. Okay, cool. What would be your next good question? Um, I guess I would probably do a follow-up question, like, about that. Like, what is it that's frustrating? Well done. Go ahead. Um, I'm getting that it's, like, the person. Okay, the cool. Find out more. they're not paying attention or they're just being oblivious yes 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 so yes indeed all of this is correct she was upset that the owner was being oblivious to something that was going on 
Now ask her directly. I'm going to prompt you here because I really want to stay on target. Ask her, does this have anything to do with any of the other birds in the house? Yes. Okay. Ask her, does it have to do with your mate, who is a male cockatiel, or does it have to do with a different bird in the house? Yes. Now, go ahead, and what would be your next question your gut tells you what to ask? He, what, he, what's he, what is he doing? Yes. Nice. Oh, I'm just getting that, like, he won't leave her alone, and he's, like, it's, like, too much. Yes. Excellent. Now, ask her, and what does him not leaving you alone look like? I mean, if I was there watching you in your house, what would that look like? Um, like him following her around, but, and maybe just like pecking at her or something. Okay, good. And ask her, and how have you been responding physically to that? What do you mean by that? In other words, what's her physical response? What would we see in that environment? How would she behave or react towards him doing all this? Um, she would fly around, just kind of be, like, it'd just be chaotic a bit. Okay, good. So ask her, are you trying to avoid him? Yes. Okay, good. Now, now let's kind of put the pieces together. Ask her, and why are you pulling apart the jewelry? Oh, I'm just kidding that it's Okay, good. That is a piece of it. And there's something more. Um, he pulled apart jewelry? Yes. So it's, she, well, he, no, she did. She's pulling apart jewelry. Ask her, why are you picking jewelry instead of pulling apart, I don't know, something else in the house? Oh, because it would get her person's attention better. Well done. Good. And it ask, more noticeable. Exactly. And ask her, and why do you want your person's attention? behavior from the mate to stop or some sort of separation. Yeah, she wants the person to intervene. You're correct. Okay, cool. Now ask her, we're going to check all this, and this is what you'd want to do in a real session. Ask her, okay, now I got that, and why are you chipping away at the wood in the apartment? To try to get away. Um... Okay, as if there, she could create a hole and escape. Okay, yes, there's that. There's also frustration. It's an expression of anger. This bird is angry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, ask her why she's walking around the apartment intermittently screaming. Because no one's paying attention? Correct. So... Whenever I sense this, I'm relaying this just like you did. You would be relaying everything you said to the owner. And then you would want to acknowledge where the being is. So you want to say, and go ahead and say it out loud, whatever feels right to you. Something that acknowledges, I understand. I understand your anger. Um, I, I totally get where you're coming from. You need to acknowledge where this bird is. So I can do some sort of acknowledgement to Lucy. Okay. 
All right. Oh, did you want me to say that out loud? Well, yeah, just because I can hear you then. Okay. Uh, I just said that I understand and acknowledge your frustration. Excellent. This time. Excellent. And ask her, can, would you like me to help you? Yes, excellent. So at this point, you just did some problem solving with her. You, you figured out what the problem was. And in this case, this is, yeah, it's a co-creation of the owner, the mate, and Lucy. It's not all Lucy's problem. Um, and now we need to assist her with creating a peaceful solution. So ask her, if you could have things any, any way you wanted, Lucy, what would you want or need that would prevent, you know, greater peace of mind? separation from the mate and for people to really just understand where she's coming from and why she's doing what she's doing. Okay, good. And that was something that came up in the session. I talked with the owner. The owner needs to, you know, have patience and explain, you know, to Lucy, I, I get your frustration and I'm willing to help you about it. Okay, cool. And ask her, do you need a little, like, nest or place of your own that maybe your mate can never get to? Because he has his wings clipped. Mm-hmm. What does she say? Yes. Yeah, excellent. So then, you know, two different ways of handling this. Um, you can use whatever resources you know. I'm not a bird owner, so I don't know an awful lot about birds. So what I did was, instead of using my own resources of knowledge, is I went to the universe and I'm like, okay, universe, so we know what the bird needs needs for satisfaction. Truth, what what do we need to do here to help the situation? So when you do that, Practice talking to the universe. Tell me what the universe tells you as a suggestion. Um, to make it some sort of space, like higher up. Yeah. That the mate couldn't get you seen if his wings were clipped and he can't fly. Exactly. Excellent. So yeah, that was one thing that came through for me too, and I explained to her. The other thing I said is her mate. <laughs> He's he's a sweet bird, and he is so crazy. He's like the mad, crazy boy in love with his girlfriend. And this is a very, this personality of this bird is very strong-willed, very confident, very, like, has an independent streak. She loves her mate, too, but he wanted to breed, and she wasn't ready to breed, and it was just going crazy. Um, as I suggested that the owner take some, like, boxes, cardboard boxes, things, put them around the house, move some of the items, or the smaller items, say, in her living room around to kind of confuse the male because he's a, a little slow on the ground <laughs> since he's got to walk every yeah. place. Um, and that gives her time to go from place to place. And since the, the scenario of the living room is changed up a bit, it's going to take a little bit of extra time for the boy to navigate the new field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the owner did do some of these things. She refused outright separation. She thought that was mean and cruel. So it's kind of like, okay, well, interesting point of view. And <laughs> okay, so yeah. I had to work around that. Um, but ask Lucy, after her owning made some of these changes, how did she feel emotionally? Uh, relieved a lot. Yes. yes, and then she was much easier for the owner to live with because she wasn't screeching and destroying everything. <laughs> Good. All right, go ahead and think, Lucy. And we'll disconnect. Very, very good. Okay, let's move right on to working with the mountain lion. And I'm purposely not tuning into these animals at the time you are, 
that way this is truly all you because you know doing the sessions on your own it's going to be all you so I don't want to create any open doorways where you're piggybacking on information I really want to be all you and that was all you with Lucy and well done good job you did great <laughs> okay all right mountain lion so I'm gonna read the little excerpt at the bottom um, I'm Sun Valley man this is California believes his dog was killed and its body taken after watching home surveillance footage that shows a mountain lion walking on his property the footage comes after a mountain lion alert was triggered in Burbank after sightings in the last few days Okay, and this occurred Saturday, January 4th, and this actually occurred 2013. So, I want you to tune into the mountain lion, and you know, I don't know if it's a she or he. I've been calling it a she, but it doesn't really matter. Um, tune to the mountain lion regarding um, who he or she was a few days after this surveillance camera caught it on tape. Let me know. A few days after that? Yeah, so make it your intention January 6th. 2013. Okay. All right. Ask the mountain lion, why were you even in a, a human neighborhood to begin with? Curiosity, you're right. <laughs> Curiosity, okay, just curious. Why not? All right, cool. Ask the ask her. So the day that you walked on somebody's property and came across the dog, why did you walk on their property? Okay, and what's that something? Some sort of like smell. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, um, she was basically curious as well. Same reason as coming into the neighborhood in the first place. Curious, just milling about, checking out what's going on. Um, I yeah. do get yes, there was a smell in the air. Sure, she was curious about a lot of different smells. So ask her, did you expect to come up to come upon the dog? Uh, I'm getting no, she wasn't really expecting it. No, and ask her, how were you feeling emotionally as soon as you saw the dog? Um, scared. Like, frightened, shocked. Okay, I want you to stay in that moment of, yes, shock, okay, surprise, definitely. Um, maybe a little bit of fear and I want you to just fast forward to now she's been looking at the dog I don't know for 30 seconds later now see where is she emotionally like a defensive kind of mode okay and ask her what what did she want to do or why what what was her next action what was her next action once she saw the dog well, I'm giving that she wanted to just kind of get out of there Okay, not quite. Not quite. So recheck. Ask her, so you saw the dog, you stopped, you paused. What was your next action? To get it? Yes, to get it. Okay, cool. So I want she you... She went into, like, prey mode? Yes. Or... She was the predator and it was the prey. Correct. 
Now, if you're comfortable doing so, we have no judgment of her, no judgment of the fact she's a predator, no judgment of the dog. If you can stay in neutral space, go ahead and be one with her energetically, you know, get into her body. And I want you to tell me step by step as she advances towards the dog, what she does. Okay, keep going. Uh, I'm getting that she jumped on him and just, like, bit him. Where? On his neck. Yes. I want you, now are you getting this from third person, getting the answers, or are you with her, in her? No, I'm, like, seeing it. Okay, cool. I want you to see it, I want you to feel it, okay? And this is just about having no judgment of her and no judgment of the dog. So if you can stay in no judgment, it'll be easy for you. It's, it's not a big deal, really. Um, so tell me, so she's got um, the bite on the neck, okay? And what happens? Continue the story. Okay, so she jumped on him and bit him. Um, given that she kind of like held him down, and by that point you couldn't really move anyways, Okay. So how did the dog die? Did he die from the bite? Did, what made this dog die exactly? Um, I'm getting that it was from the bite. Like. So now switch over and be the dog. And I don't have a picture of the dog. I, I have no idea what the dog looks like. But just switch over. Now you're the dog. What's the dog's experience as it's being bitten? Correct. Good. Now, from his perspective, get a sense of what killed him. Um, give me like a lot, like the loss of blood. Okay. Also, check the trachea. And oh, so his and because of the like the puncture to his neck. Okay. Like broke. Something. Okay. Okay, cool. So, was she cutting off his air supply? Yeah. Yes. Good. Now, I want you to stay with that dog, just because it's it's a neat experience. I want you to be with that dog in the conscious state. He's conscious of what's happening, and then as, you know, his he's bleeding, he's, you know, suffocating, explain to me what it feels like, or senses like, from his perspective, I mean, what happens once he kind of loses consciousness? And then explain to me what it's like as he transitions over to the other side. Um, I'm getting that, like, peaceful more than anything. Yes. Like, in the state before he transitioned over, I think he might have went into a shock. So, like, as soon as it happened, it's not really, like... He was, I don't want to say struggling, but he was in that kind of state where there's really nothing he could do. And then when he transitioned over, it was very peaceful. Yes. Now, be with him or stand with him um, from the transitionary side, looking back at his body with the mountain lion, you know, with her, her mouth wrapped around. And what are his thoughts on the scene, if any? 
you're just kind of like shocked a little bit, like, oh. Yes, he was a bit surprised. that to happen. Yes, good job. He was a bit surprised, like, wow, huh, I didn't anticipate that. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. And did he have any judgment of the mountain lion? Did he think her bad and awful? Or was he worried, really worried about his people in that moment? Or who, who weren't hearing any of this because they were inside sleeping? I mean... Um, I guess he was very neutral about Like, he didn't judge the mountain lion at all. And really, he... The only thought was just he was peaceful and wasn't really expecting it to happen. Exactly. You're right. He had no judgments. He didn't say, think, oh my god, what a terrible experience. He, he, bad mountain lion. Oh my god, my people didn't yeah. save me, or I'm worried about my people being left behind. None of that, period. He was neutral and peaceful. Excellent. Cool. A lot of people look at death for their pets is, oh my god, it's terrible, he's suffering and all that. And sometimes, you know, we might think, oh my god, that dog must have suffered terribly as that mountain lion was killing it. Well, not necessarily. Okay. All right, so back to the mountain lion. All right, so ask her or feel it with her. What did she do after the dog was dead? Oh, uh, she ran off. With it or without his body? Without. Okay. She did actually take it with her. So now she's out in a private space, kind of, you know, natural land. She's outside the neighborhood. And ask her, did you actually eat the dog? Uh, I'm getting that she didn't. Okay. So, so I actually see she did say take some bites out of it. Not like, you know, ravaging the whole carcass like a pride of lions would to a gazelle. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I saw, I saw that she took, like, some bites, but not, like, destroyed it. So there's, like, nothing left, you know. Okay, cool. Yep, that's accurate. Good. Now, ask the mountain lion if you had known that that dog had a relationship with the people and loved the people and the people loved it, would you have still killed the dog? Um, yes. Yes is correct. And ask why. Instinct. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So ask her one last question. Um, if a hunter hunted you and killed you, how would you feel about having been killed by a hunter? Um, I'm just saying that she wouldn't really have, like, she wouldn't be judgmental. Yeah, she wouldn't. She'd be okay with it. And I, and, you know, I, I hear her say, like, oh, well, I guess he got a one-up on me, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. But not really kind of caring. Um, ask her, are you at peace with the predator-prey cycle? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. And ask her what advice she, she has for humans that think that humans should, you know, some, some of us humans, in other words, have really strong points of views that we should not be killing and even eating, you know, vegetarians, for example, and I've been there, so I've, I can talk about this. I've been a vegetarian for years. Um, I'm not no longer, but ask her, you know, what, what opinion or what would you like to say to people that have really strong points of views about you should not be killing and eating animals?
Um, I guess I'm just getting that she's saying that people need to look at things from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a multitude of perspectives, she says, indeed. Yep. She's also okay with a human choosing to have that point of view. So she's okay with that point of view, too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you have any specific questions you want to ask her? Um, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and thank her and thank the dog. Awesome. Okay. All right. So, um, we're at 55 minutes, so we got five minutes left. Your choice. You want to work with the deer or the deceased racing greyhound? Oh, uh, the deer. Okay. So this is a deer I just grabbed off of Google Pictures. I have no idea if he is alive anymore or not. Appears to me to be a white-tailed deer, your typical, you know, New England um, deer. Let's go ahead and tune in him at the moment this picture was taken, when at that time we knew he was alive. So for this, since I've never spoken to them too, I'm going to tune in as well. And what have you already always wanted to know about a deer? Hmm. I don't know. I never really thought about it, to be honest. Okay, let's do this. I want you to get in his body with him. See out of his eyes, feel his four legs, and I want you to practice walking. I want you to feel his little pointed feet. And tell me, where does this being have a lot of his physical strength? Feel his whole body. Um, legs. Okay, what part of the legs? Lower part, upper part, where they attach the upper body? Part. Yeah, okay, good. Can you feel his neck? Would you describe that as strong or weak? Strong. Yes, good. Can you feel the core of his body, which would be the rib cage, you know, and, and yeah, there's some muscles that go over the ribs, but feel the, the center part of his body that, yeah, it also includes the upper part of the legs, front and back. Is he strong in there or weak? Strong. Good. Good, good, good. Now, I want you to imagine that you, as him, are running super fast. And as he's running, he's getting ready to jump over a log. And describe to me what it feels like to be him as he goes over the log. Where is he putting his weight, for example? How is he jumping? I mean, anything you can pick up sensory-wise. Um, I'm getting ready. Okay, good. And what's leading him? What's balancing him? Uh, his tail. So bring your awareness up to his face, all of his face, and he's, he's going forward over the log. How was he using his face? 
balance. Yes. Yes. And can you tell, if he was to take his nose, his, of course his nose attached to his face, and, and point his nose in a slightly different direction, let's imagine instead of jumping over the log straight, he's jumping the log and his nose is slightly curved to the right. Can you feel how that would change the remainder of the body? Yes. Okay, good. Cool. Um, other things we can feel. Let's imagine he he's now calm and relaxed, but it is breeding season, and he comes across another male who's about his same age, who has a little bit more or perhaps a little bit less strength than him, doesn't really matter. And there's a female that both he and this other male deer are interested in. Tell me the emotional state of this deer, our deer. Yes, good. So I want you to, so that's yes, what he's about to do or what they are going to do. What is the emotions running in the background? What, what are the, what's the emotional state of this deer as he's preparing to do that action? Like a very heightened awareness. Yes. And emotions are things like happy, sad, upset, domineering. It's, you know, so tell me more about emotion. Well, in this case, that was just a word I threw out. Uh, a domineer, have you ever had one dog be, you know, expressing itself dominant over another dog? Mm -hmm. That's domineering. Um, let me just give you this one. Okay, so I want you to sense within him the ownership he's decided he has over that female. Mm -hmm. Okay, and as a result of that emotion of I own her, can you feel the rise of intensity of she's mine and I'm going to protect her? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's all very emotion-based. His thoughts are actually pretty quiet, but if you were to tune into his thoughts overall, tell me something he would be thinking. Like, just kind of like, back off? Yeah, this is, she's mine. Back off. Get away. Mine. And I will fight to show you she's mine. Good. Pretty intense. Pretty intense. Okay, cool. Let's imagine that this deer is being chased by coyotes. And let's imagine that it, it really is in a pinch. It really does not know if it's going to be able to outrun the coyotes. What emotional state is it in in that moment? Um, are we still talking about the deer picture or the other, like the girl? We're talking about our deer with our photo. Um, I think it goes like survival mode. Yes. Is there fear there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How, um, how intense is that fear on a scale of zero to ten? Zero being no fear, ten being... I mean, the, the maximum he could possibly be feeling as he's running and trying to escape. Probably like a 9 or 10. Okay, okay. 
Okay, cool. I sense it at about a five. I sense he's yes in fear, but I also sense he is so invested in running. The action of just running, running, running. That's very intense for him in that moment now. Yeah. Cool. All right. Is there anything else you want to ask him before we finish? Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and thank him. And it's pretty amazing. I've never actually tuned into a deer myself, um, Vivian, uh, except when on hikes, you know, just talking to them. But again, that was from the third person perspective, question, answer, question, answer versus getting in with them. It's amazing how powerful his body is. Yeah. Uh -huh. Cool. All right. Any other last minute questions as we close up today? Uh, yes. Um, when tuning in with an animal before you're about to do a session or just talk with any animal, what is your process? Like, how are you, how do you tune in so quickly within, like, a few seconds? I feel like, uh, it takes me a while, not, like, a long time, but longer than I want it to be. Okay, so in the beginning for me, it took a long time, too, okay, about the same speed where you're at now. Um, how does it go through so quickly for me now? I think part of it is I am direct, I am clear. It's my intention to communicate with this animal. And I don't mean communicating this animal three seconds from now. I mean now, immediately. I want their attention. So I think a part of it is my my own energetic clarity. Um, I mean, I don't bulldoze myself into their awareness, but I do do it with a direct, like a direct beam of light. Like, you really can't miss me. So I think part, mm -hmm. of, part of it is that. But yeah... I mean, the time to introduce yourself and um, all that? Um, with this deer, I didn't. Um, it depends. Uh, if it's working, when I'm working with a new client's pet, yes. So I'll tune into them and then I'll, I'll be like, okay, so I'll, I'll, say to the, I'll, do the, I'll do this out loud and this is what I do for the owner. I'll be like, okay, so I'm going to tune into your pet now. Okay, so I've got him and I'm going to introduce him myself. This is Danielle. Oh, it doesn't feel like he needs introduction. He's all set to go with offer you information. If the animal starts relaying information to me, Vivian, then they've totally bypassed the need for me to introduce them. So I usually forget the human cultural politeness aspect of it. Um, and I'll just dive right in because they wouldn't be offering me information if they really felt it was important in that moment for me to introduce myself to them. But with other animals, a lot more sh timid or shy animals, you know, it'll be like, you know what, I tune into them, they're aware of me, and they're not saying anything, so I'm going to take the moment and introduce myself, because you know what, maybe they need that. Okay. Yep. I also find when you're working with people's pets, they often pick up from their people that you're going to be having a session with them, either in person, on the phone, or even on your own time. Um, and I do ask my clients, you know, generally, you know, please let your pet know that we'll be communicating with him on, you know, September 7th at 9 p.m., <laughs> whatever, it, however it works. Um, because that way I just feel like the animal's got more information because the owner actually thought about the process of telling the dog that. The dog will in tune, to intuitively hear that and they'll be ready. I like my animals ready. It's It just saves time. But with that said, you can tune in at any moment and they tend to know exactly what needs to be said, what the person wants to talk about, and all that. When you're doing a session and, you know, maybe you're, like, working on a problem or the owner's trying to explain something, and that time, is the animal, like, hearing them? Yes. Yes. I find that... only, like... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I find that I have, like, a... It's like a three-way conversation. As that owner's, you know, saying something to me about their pet, 
that animal tends to be listening to. So I can often get a sense, and you will as well, is the animal listening to their person or are they chattering to me behind the scenes? Because I can get information from the animal at the same time that I'm hearing the person speak out loud. Um, so, uh, yeah. Three-way conversation. Every now and then I'll have an animal that'll be like, okay, your person just offered you a whole bunch of information there. Did you hear and understand? Did you hear all that? And if they say yes, and then ask, did you understand it all? And then tell me yes or no, or here's the part I didn't understand. Every now and then I'll get the rare animal that, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but their animal just, or their person just spilled off a whole bunch of information and their animal heard none of it. I think because the animal is perhaps only focusing on me as the translator, mm-hmm and wants me to translate everything, so no problem. I just translate to the animal out loud or, you know, in my mind, basically what the person just said or what the person's after question was, and then relay the answer out loud. Okay. If you don't get an answer from an animal, sometimes I don't understand your question. So, and sometimes you missed it as a communicator. So if I don't get an answer, I'll double check with the animal and if I still don't get an answer, I'll ask them, is there something you want to say on this? And sometimes they'll quite frankly say no. Uh, it's not really important to me. <laughs> they just don't, it's not that they're avoiding, they just, it's, something's a big deal to their person. For example, I talked with one of my um, clients this morning, and she's getting ready to take her dog up to a big time, big name vet college um, to uh, have some tests done because he may have cancer, a cancerous lump near his tail. And I'm relaying all the details to the dog about how this is going to happen. They're going to do this test and x-ray and ultrasound. All these things that the owner wanted relayed, which, you know, the dog certainly was very open to hearing. But, you know, then she asked the question, how does he feel about all this? And the dog's like, she's way more worried about it. I just want to come home and eat my food. They can do whatever tests. I'm good with people. I don't mind the, the vets working on it. So it's kind of like he was very nonchalant all about it. Whereas the owner is concerned that she might lose her dog because of cancer. So very interesting different places yeah Mm -hmm. cool anything else Hmm. right now no but i know as soon as i hang up i'll probably do something (laughs) okay so yeah if it's just a a few random questions feel free to email me um i know you didn't do uh week nine in part because i got it up later than i anticipated um do that whenever you've got time i will be putting up week 10 Oh, probably in the next couple days. Um, so let's not worry too much about you having to feel like you got to hurry to get these things done. Just do week nine and week 10 when you can. I'll let you know when week 10 is up. Um, so just do that when you can. And also, of course, you know, give you feedback. Okay. Okay. All um, right. And can you also just take a look at my website and just let me know if there's anything you would wear differently or add or yeah, we'll whatever. Yeah, Yes, we'll do. I've got um, that jotted down, so I'll do that probably in the next 48 hours, maybe today, if I can get get to it. Um, but yes, definitely will, and I'll, I'll send you some notes in an email. Okay. All right. Well done, Vivian. Thank you very much. <laughs> you were a pleasure to work with. Great questions. I love your natural curiosity, and you're going to do fantastic at this. You already are. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Much love to you, my friend. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.